A badass is somebody who is willing to do what they want with who they want, when they want, as often as they want, unapologetically. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome everybody to your Badass Journey podcast. Today I have Rob Murgatroyd on our show. Rob and I crack each other up all the time. And if you've listened to the episode where he interviewed me, of course, I had to return the favor and have him on my show because honestly, we just love talking to each other and checking in and raising the vibration in our conversation. Rob has recently let go of his career as a chiropractor and truly is focusing on creating play for top-level entrepreneurs and business leaders and who, who are just hyper-focused on doing the do because they love it so much, but really need to integrate how to play into their busy lives in order to create a space of innovation, create a space of fulfillment and fun to make it all worth it. He's also now embarked on a coaching practice where he takes on some elite clients where to help them transition like he has from going from a career that stopped filling him up into creating one that does. Uh, as you know, we crack each other up. So enjoy the laughs as we get into this conversation. And as usual, if, there, if there's a point of impact or an aha moment that comes out of this conversation, we want to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to share this episode with others who you feel could benefit from it. Tag us in it. And um, post a review so more people can have access to these awesome conversations and join you in yours. I hope you're having an amazing day and also enjoy this conversation. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. On today's episode, I have Rob Murgatroyd. Welcome, Rob. You know, I'm so glad that you added the D. Everybody forgets the D at the end of my name. Even our mutual friend, Chris Harder. No. Him and, him and Lori call me Rob Murgatroy, and I go, duh. <laughs> duh. That's like me when, when people try to call me Kareem with an M, and I have to go, Kareem, no, 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 no. <laughs> like I have to make oh, sure they, uh-huh. So I, I, you know why they do, I know why they do that. They do uh, that because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's right. That's familiar. And autocorrect changes my name to Kareem with an M too. And so like my birthday, you know, was recent and and I kept getting happy birthday Kareem messages because of autocorrects. <laughs> but when you go careening down the highways, it's spelled yeah. the same way? Uh it is. And then it's it no, it's with a I believe a C. I think it's a C. Okay. Yeah. Well anyway, anyway, thank you for having me. <laughs> as always, Rob, I enjoy our conversations and as my listeners can tell we have a fun relationship. And so, so for today, I'm just excited to share um, you know, this small, whatever, 30, 40 minutes with our listeners about you. Because first of all, I love what transition you just went through recently. And I, I know that people can benefit from hearing your story. And the way I love to kick off the show is for you to actually share 
your badass journey with my listeners in your own words from you know however far back you want to go. And what I, what I would say is as you share your journey from wherever you choose to start to where you are today, is to really like touch on the pivotal moments that helped you feel like that was... Even though it might have been like a difficult transition, it felt right for you. All right. So I started off as a sperm and I was <laughs> fighting for the egg. <laughs> Are you kidding? Wait, in your world, it was a smooth ride. That's it was a smooth <laughs> ride. Go ahead. You know what? My badass journey was a little bit of a bumpy ride. I, uh, I grew up in, uh, let's, let's take it from like early childhood and I'll kind of just, uh, I'll hit the highlights all the way through. I grew up in Queens, New York. Uh, my dad was a truck driver. My mom was uh, an office worker probably when we got to... I don't know, sixth grade or something. She was home most of those years. But I had a dad who was an alcoholic and it was really difficult for me because he kind of like would get up super early in the morning, be home at three in the afternoon and he'd, he'd hit the bar. And for those people that know New York, it looks a little like Sesame Street in uh, Queens where you know uh, we lived in uh, project housing and there was a bar on the corner um, and you'd always come home drunk around three or four o'clock and we never know what was going to happen. And being around that, that environment was, was difficult uh, on the one hand, but on the, on the other hand, it was positive because it, it gave me all of the drive that I needed to get out of that environment. It was kind of like I was going to go one way or the other. Either I was going to reproduce exactly what he did or I was going to go the opposite way. And I went the opposite way. And I dug into a lot of personal development. It was a lot of Tony Robbins, a lot of books um, while I was still there. And I decided that you know my ticket out of this was going to be to step into the world of um, education in a big way. So getting stuck in that environment with having a dad that was um, an alcoholic, um, my parents fought a lot. It was a challenge for me to be around it. So I just dug deep into education. And I went on and I went to Queens College uh, where Jerry Seinfeld went. Um, I'm proud of that. You can, you can tell. And uh, after that, I decided that I wanted to do something, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And my brother said, hey, you should be a chiropractor. You're into fitness. You're into health. It'll be a, it'll, it'll be a great career. They make great money. You don't have to work that hard. And I think you'd enjoy it. So I flew out to Atlanta, checked out the chiropractic school. And what really struck me when I came out to Atlanta was that for 300 bucks a month, I can rent an apartment that, you know, overlooked a swimming pool. And I thought I, I thought I landed Nirvana coming from Queens. I was like, I am so out of here and uh, flew to Atlanta and spent the better part of 25 years as a chiropractor. And, you know, during those years, there were lots of ups and downs. First, trying to struggle how to uh, make a chiropractic office work and having to work for somebody who was super successful at it. And then going out on my own and not doing well with it in the beginning and having to learn how to get better. Um, and then doing really well and then becoming very addicted to the money that was associated with it and going through um, bouts of. I'm, I'm exhausted from doing um, from doing chiropractic. If one more person tells me their neck or back hurts, I'm going to shoot myself. And just wanting to, you know, get out of that environment. And then I started traveling around the world um, and taking more time off than 
I wanted to take off, then I probably should have been taking off from the business. So I was having more fun by doing travel and fulfillment, but I was spending more money than I should have. I was partying harder than I should have. And I watched my business go down and then came back into the business. I built my business up, but I wasn't having a fulfilled life because I was only working. So it was a real struggle for me to find that work hard, play hard kind of thing. And it wasn't until probably the last three to four years, which I'm sure we'll talk about, where I felt like I was able to put it together. So that's kind of like a, a high level view. Well, I think it's it, it's really great to just see the progression because so many so many of us find our drive coming out of, and I'm going to use this word, and I don't know if you would describe it this way, but dysfunction. You know, when when things aren't functioning properly to align with who we are, right? There's there's this drive that sometimes shows up to say, I just know I deserve better, I want better, I'm going to go after that better. So, you know, the fact that you came from Queens and 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 it was felt maybe limiting to you at the time or when you're going through uh, exploration into the what's next. And I love how you painted the picture of when you got to Atlanta, uh, you know, for chiropractic school, that it felt like you hit some sort of openness, like this mecca of, of opportunity that was so different. If, if um, someone who's listening is in that state right now, right? Like where they're, where they're kind of feeling limited, you know, and because I know you help people identify ways to break through limitations. What were some of the things going on for you at that time that helped you really stick it out when it gets hard and then also celebrate it <laughs> once you're actually on the other side? Well, if you ask me that question now, it's much different than it was back then. And back then it was pure determination, pure grit, pure will, and in many ways, quite survival, if I'm honest. I needed to get out of that environment. I was not going to, nothing was going to come, nothing good was going to come out of me being in that environment. And I knew it. So I, I had to dig in to everything I had to get my tail out of there. But you know, with that, uh, one of the things, I'm not sure this is going to answer the question, but one of the things that just came to, to mind is I got really, really good at modeling people because I, I didn't have good, like my dad was a horrible role model. So I, I, I was always searching for a Tony Robbins to follow, to learn like, what, what is it, what is it like to be a man? What is it like to be you know, how do you set a goal? How do you stick to the goal? How, like, how are you a father? Like all of those things, I didn't, I didn't know how to do well. And so I modeled extremely well. So the upside to that modeling part of my life was that I learned how to reproduce wealth. I learned how to reproduce the body I wanted. I learned how to reproduce, uh, you know, from people who had successful marriages, how to have the marriage I wanted, how to be the dad I wanted. So I had these role models of a dad, of a fitness person. But somewhere along the way, and it was probably about two years ago, there was a mutual friend of ours, uh, Christine Hassler, who's a coach. We were in, uh, on vacation together in Greece, and we were talking about something. I can't quite remember what it was. And she said, do you trust yourself? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, do you, do you trust? We were talking about, there was something I, want, I was trying to create. And I was like, what do you think? And what do you think? What do you think? And she said, well, do you trust yourself? And nobody had ever asked me that before. And I was like, I think I do. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, some, 
somewhere along the way, it feels like you lost your trust in your own intuition and your trust in your own voice that's inside of you, that little small, still whisper that's in there that somehow you stopped listening to and you've, you've acquiesced or you've given it up for somebody else's opinion on what they think you should do. And I think that served you in your life when you said like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to change my body. What do I do? And somebody gives you a prescription, you know, eat, drink, drink these shakes, go to, you know, cardio three, four times a week and do these, like there's a prescription there. But when you're trying to navigate through your life and come up with what the next thing is that you're after, nobody has those answers for you. You have those answers. And so because I didn't have that role model, I worked so hard to model other people that I lost the ability to listen to myself. And it's honestly, Karine, it's not until now that I'm actually starting to go, you know what? What do I want to do? I don't care what you think I should do. What do I want to do? So I don't know if that answers the question. It totally does because I think it's 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 part of those lessons learned by being in action towards what we think we want in that moment. And then truly when we find that art of fulfillment, which you you and I talk about, it's trusting that intuition and checking in with ourselves to say, did that fill us up or not? Or, you know, is this really what I was targeting for? Is this aligned with who I believe I am? It takes growth. You know, it, it takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. And all the lessons we have along the way, I believe, shape us into this decision matrix that we leverage now to try to build that thriving life. You know, when you when you went from survival mode, I I, I break it down into three phases. It's like survival mode. Then you go into like maintenance because you've kind of out of survival and you're like achieving and you're now sitting in this like maintenance mode of, of a life you thought you wanted because you're out of what did not serve you or kind of let you down often. And now you're in maintenance. And then once you're in maintenance, you have the almost, I want to say, luxury of looking around to say, what do I really want to then build into that third level in my, how I describe it as the thriving life? You know, it's like, it's now your choice. You created that freedom for yourself. There's no one else to answer to but yourself and whoever you spiritually connect to maybe. But it's really that thriving action that lets you have that choice. To me, I believe that's, that's freedom living, right? Like That is the, the integration of work hard and play hard because you want to be of purpose, but you also want to enjoy the ride. You know, so I think that I think you shared some beautiful ways that you went about it. And I love that you're now in this phase because I do think that there are people who have gotten are going through that maintenance to thrive phase and and really are looking for what you offer the world, which is really that work hard, play hard experience. So why don't you tell folks about that and how you went from your chiropractic um, practice into what you're doing now? Yeah. So probably two years ago, I would say for the last five years, I was uh, becoming each year more and more disenchanted with the profession. And, and again, it's no knock to chiropractic. Chiropractors do a great job. And I did for 25 years and they help a lot of people. But for me, it, the monotony of it was just getting, you know, it's pretty much my neck hurts, my back hurts. Like that's, you know, there's a million flavors in between. And sometimes it's your wrist, sometimes it's your ankle. But for the most part, that's what you do. So every Monday morning, it was the same. And I, I hit a point in my life where I was like, 
I want to be doing other things. And um, I'm not entirely sure what those other things are just yet, but I know it's not this. You know, it's like, it's like when you ask somebody what they want and they tell you, well, I don't know exactly what I want, but I know I don't want to live like this anymore, you know, but that doesn't help. You got to have some clarity, but I knew that I didn't want that anymore. So I knew that was the first step. So leaving that was the hard part because I made a lot of money and you know, money's a relative thing, but for me, it was a great living and I was able to do what I want when I wanted. Um, and, but there was a price that I had to pay for it. And the price was I had to show up in an office that I didn't want to be in to lead a team that no knock to the team, they're a great team, but I didn't want to play that role of leading them anymore. I did not want to be the chiropractor anymore for the patients. And that's when you know you got to get out. I mean, you know, like I'm not serving the team. I'm not serving the patients. I'm not serving myself. Nobody's winning. And I was faking it. And I was going through the motions because I could, because I did it for 20 years. So I could do it with my eyes closed. But as we approached the end of last year, you know, my wife looked at me and she said, that's it. We're done. We're not doing it anymore. It's over. And I was like, Kim, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? You know, we need the income. She said, I don't give a shit. We are going to find a way to get you out of this. And we're going to, and so in that moment, I remember we were sitting right there on that chair. And in that moment, we took a big white sticky paper, like you have on your Insta stories all the time. And we, uh, we pulled it out and we grabbed one of these things and we started writing. And we wrote everything that we wanted to create over the course of the next year that would be something that would work for us. And that included... We wanted to move to California. We wanted to try living in Europe for four months. We wanted to leave the practice. We wanted to replace the income from from the practice with doing something that um, made me um, passionate. And that led into the idea of the mastermind, which we can talk about. And I looked at it and I was like, my first reaction was, there's no way. Like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do it. I'm just, there's no way. And my wife is the exact opposite. She's a, she's like you, she's a very strategic thinker. And she said, no, there is a way and here's how we're going to do it. And we went step by step by step. But the key to making this work was for the first time we put ourselves on the line and we told the staff, December 31st, uh, you're all out of a job. (laughs) It's over. We made the, we bought um, Airbnbs in Europe that we um, were going to be staying in. We bought airline tickets for a four-month trip to go to Europe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now uh, a lot of my house is in, uh, you can't see it in this view, but it is in boxes because we are slowly boxing things up because we have now 50 days left before we leave Atlanta uh, for Europe and then ultimately ultimately move on to our final stop in uh, in California. So it's a long answer, but there were a lot of moving pieces that made that happen. I, you know, I'm curious about that moment when, when kind of the doubt and the fear struck, and you were like, "No, this isn't going to happen." And Kim stepped in and was like, "Yes, it is. Let's talk about the how." You know, what had to transition in your mind to actually step into, or what, what, you know, what were the activities? Obviously, you have a really close relationship, and you step forward together. But truly for you individually to say, you know what, it's worth stepping into. What happened there? 
You know, I wish I can tell you that, you know, I I just had such unbelievable faith that that got me through it. It was more the pain of starting one more year. Mm -hmm. There's something around ending the year and, you know, writing the goals of what January 1st was going to look like this year and painting a vision of what I really wanted that year to look like and what she really wanted the year to look like. And it was, this is what we want on January one. We want to be free of the office. We want to be, we're seeing ourselves walking through the streets of Florence. We're seeing ourselves coming back, living in California. And um, I'm seeing myself surfing. I've always wanted to surf. I don't know why. I don't even know that I know how to do it, but I want to surf. And playing beach volleyball. And I knew all of the things that I wanted was going to be after January 1st. And I either had a decision that I could bring the office into January 1st, or I could find a way to leave it out. And so it was, I guess the answer to the question is it was the vision of the future, the compelling future that I had for myself that outweighed the familiar past that I no longer wanted to be a part of. And I hit thresholds and I Mm -hmm. said, not another day, not another second, it's over. Now let's figure out how we're going to mitigate the trauma or the, um, the, uh, what do they call that when you have an explosion, the, the aftermath of the explosion, right? All of the problems that are associated with it. And so we just set about saying, okay, well, if we do this, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is the staff is going to be upset. They're losing a job. How do we mitigate that? What's going to happen is we still have six more months left on my lease, um, at the chiropractic office and nobody's going to be there. What do we do with that? Well, to make a phone call to the leasing people and see if I could buy myself out. And so we started mitigating right. all the downsides. We're going to be living in Europe. How do we get our mail? How, what if the IRS sends me a letter and I don't get it? <laughs> right. And we're like, well, there's a company that will, that will actually, I don't know if you know this, but there's a company that opens your mail for you and looks at it, takes a picture of it and sends you a screenshot and you tell them what to do with it. I love it. So, so there's all these, like, so it was the decision. It was the yeah. decision. Yeah, exactly. Because what I love to, to share with folks is that the skill and the actions follow once you make a decision, right? Like if, if, if you have to know that that's what you want to go after. And even if it's an exploratory phase of finding out the how, like, you know, the cool thing is, is that both of you were tag teaming how to make this happen versus you feeling alone in it. And that's where a lot of overwhelm can come up as well, where people get in that analysis paralysis. Like, how do I, how do I move forward to make these big transitions happen? And and truly, it's first about deciding this is what you want, and then mapping out how you go after it. And you know, action is the way you actually discover what's possible, right? Yeah, for sure. It, you're right. Making the de- making the decision is where the actions will come. But until you make that de- decision, you're doing what she and I called looping. We just kept looping it. Yeah. We kept saying, I hate it. I don't like it. I hate it. I don't like it. Oh, let me go back in and make more yeah. money. I hate it. I don't like it. Let me go back in and make more money. Yeah. And we just looped it. Yeah, the the replay of things that don't fill you up, it can be numbing, right? Like it it's almost that numbing behavior that then feel it it's like you're kind of walking through mud or or glue even if you don't figure out ways to climb out and change the story. You know, I'll tell so you it, something else. Um what helped as well for people who are in these um in this uh situation in their life, they probably know somebody that has done something similar. And it really, really helped me. Um, I had a few friends who were chiropractors who went on to create big companies and love chiropractic. 
And one in particular, when I spoke to him about this, he said, Rob, you don't know what you don't know yet, but the moment that you free yourself from this, your bandwidth is going to open up in a way that you've never had open before. And you're going to go on to create so many great things because your time is being used in a way that you don't want to be using it. When you're free of that and your time is your own and you're creating it the way you want to create it, that bandwidth opens up some magic. And I swear to God, he was like, it was, it took me a minute. I'm not going to lie. It probably took a couple of months for me to chemically detach myself from that 25 year career because it didn't even seem real. Um, And it's just now starting to feel real. But what I've been able to, honestly, I made as much money in the first three months of this year being out of chiropractic as I made all last year by being in it. Right. Yeah. Because the how can always be solved. And now you have the lessons to leverage to really create the business that you want or, right. or create the, the moments and the lifestyle, et cetera. That's why we work so hard. We want to have the life that reflects what we truly desire. That's so, right. So let's dive into now um, when you launched your Work Hard, Play Hard podcast, because I don't even know the backstory of this. Like, What was the, what was the driver behind that? Well, I was, uh, I was with a mutual friend of ours in, uh, in Los Angeles. I was uh, with uh, Chris Harder and Lori. And uh, again, I remember right where I was. We remember these flashbulb moments. And uh, another mutual friend of ours, Nick Harder, was running a marathon. We went out to support his marathon. And we were sitting there waiting. We, um, Chris does it every year. Nick does a marathon every year. And, and uh, he races his car to the next marathon point. And he you know, just to go woo, woo, woo as he passes by. And so uh, my wife and I were doing it with him. And I said to him, we were just waiting for Nick to run by. We had like a half hour and we were just talking. And, you know, you know, you know, you know Chris is super brainstormy. And I said, I just don't want to be doing this chiropractic thing anymore. He goes, dude, why don't you have a podcast? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you ask more questions than any guy I know. And you have a really good voice. You should do it. So that led from a podcast into a mastermind. And he said, I have an idea. You love to play. I came with you to Greece last year. It was freaking amazing. Why don't you do a completely different kind of mastermind and have the podcast talk about working and play and the struggles that you're going through right now in your chiropractic office, and then have the mastermind actually be the play where you take the entrepreneurs and you play. And so you know, as you know, with Chris, he wanted a deadline. He said, have six episodes ready in the next, uh, uh, actually, no, here's what he did. This is even better. We get back to his house. We're sitting in his kitchen and he goes, come on upstairs. And I said, what are we going upstairs? He said, we're going to go on uh, to my podcast. We're going to talk about your mastermind and your podcast. I was like, I don't have a mastermind or a podcast. He's like, that's fine. You'll have it by the time this airs. So I went up, we recorded in his studio about my podcast, my masterminds, and now I was on the line and now I had to have it. So that's the story behind it. Yeah, that's how it kicked off. And it kicked off. That's amazing because, you know, Chris is all about action to almost like prove the vision. You know, that's what I love about Chris and, and the fact that he guided you in that way to just show you what was possible in the most simplistic way through an invitation to just join and make it happen makes it so light. You know, yeah. we get we get so caught up in our heads about the how. It was the same thing when he and I talked at the end of last year and he's like, okay, Kareen, like 
do you have the right book you know to attract the audience that you really want to work with and that you know that your avatar etc and i was like no no you know <laughs> in a simple like whisper almost like no I no I yeah. don't you know and he's like can you have it by January you know and he gave me that deadline and it got done because I was like yeah that's aligned with my vision it's he does it from a heartfelt stance and, and like you were saying before it sounds like where where you went from following folks who are modeling the life you wanted now you have this amazing group of people that actually are walking alongside you to make sure that you are that influencer that you want to be, but also you're modeling in your own stance and your own own authentic way to create these amazing conversations through your podcast and now you know the impact through your mastermind. So let's let folks know what your your mastermind's all about. So the mastermind is different. You know, for most people that don't know what a mastermind is, because I've, I've realized I've, I've been interviewed a lot and a lot of people have been messaging me and say, what's a mastermind? So I, 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 want to, I want to create the definition of a mastermind. Basically, what a mastermind is, is let's call it 20, 30, or as many as 40 people who are roughly in the same economic bracket, um, probably in different industries. You throw them all together, you put them in the back of a hotel conference room, have some speakers come in and do some breakout sessions, and you help each other to grow your businesses and where you're blocked and where you're stuck and the collective minds of the group helps you grow. So that's kind of what a mastermind is. And I have a little ADD. I don't like to sit still. I like uh, to learn through experiences and I wanted to do a mastermind, but I didn't want to do it like a traditional mastermind. So I call my mastermind the unmastermind. It's like the other white meat, the uncola, right? It's the, it's the thing you know, but the thing that you don't know. And um, I designed it in a way that would take entrepreneurs who are, um, let's call it high six, low seven figure entrepreneurs that love what they do. They absolutely are passionate and excited about what they do. And you know, when you, when you ask them about other areas of their life, they're not getting to the other areas of their life because they love what they do so much. And it's great that they love what they're doing, except they're never learning about art or wine or um, opera or taking the time to, to, uh, to travel around the world to, you know, to see different parts of, of the country, to see different parts of the world, et cetera. So they have all these ideas of what they want to do, but they never do it because all they do is they just keep working. So I realized that for me, the balance that worked the best is around every hundred days, every three months or so to have something on the books that gets you out of your day-to-day, gets, gets you out of your familiar surroundings and puts you with a tribe of people doing unique experiences that cause you to think differently and lift you, and, and lift you up in a different sort of way. So I created this mastermind and we do one domestic and two internationals. The domestic uh, this year was in Boston, which was a few weeks ago. And then the internationals, the two internationals are upcoming. The next international is in Monaco in six weeks. And the last one is in Italy uh, at the end of October. To give you an idea of what it's like inside the masterminds, I can't give away too much on the international because they're surprises, but Boston has already happened. In Boston, Boston, I, I try and look at the town, right? Boston is a sports town. It's about football and baseball as an example. So I wanted to incorporate both of those things. So I hired uh, Tom Brady's trainer to uh, shut down his facility to teach us how he train Tom, um, on, uh, his pliability method. So we did a day with him and then we took him out to lunch and, 
uh, we got all the uh, Giselle and Tom Brady gossip from him, which was fun uh, as well. And also how, and some struggles that he had with Tom that wasn't, uh, he wasn't so receptive in the beginning. And then on the other end of it, we went to um, Red Sox, uh, went to Fenway Park and we went to the, uh, to the batting cages uh, where let's say the Yankees warm up before they go out on the field. And we did a contest to see who can hit um, the most, uh, they, they shot 10 balls out of the batting machine, who could hit the most balls um, our mutual friend Kayla won. Um, and whoever hits the most balls gets an upgraded room in Monaco. Um, and then we went to the North end of Boston because Boston is all about Mark Wahlberg and the Italian section. And so we went there and I hired a guy who uh, wrote a book called how to think like Da Vinci. Um, and he taught us Da Vinci's seven principles of how he thought. Um, one of those principles is on, uh, to truly understand something, you have to compare one thing to another thing. So we did a champagne comparison followed by a wine comparison followed by a port wine comparison, followed by a chocolate comparison. And we were able to fully appreciate the wines uh, and the desserts, et cetera, by comparing them to each other. And while that was going on, we had somebody from uh, the Metropolitan Opera House in New York singing opera about a girl who was on the Ponte Vecchio, which we're going to go see in Florence. And uh, it was incredible. As soon as she started singing, everybody was bawling. It was the weirdest feeling in the world. Um, vibrationally, I never felt anything like that. She filled the room. Um, and then we ended it with a poetry contest and then I can go on and on for the weekend, but basically you get the idea. And in between those exercises, we did masterminding, um, exercises, goal setting exercises that were more tailored about, uh, fulfillment. Like what do you, we went through our day and what are the things in our day that we hate and how can we mitigate them and get rid of them? What are the goals that we have, uh, that we want to, uh, be able to have completed by the time we show up in Monica. So I had these cards with wax seals that were sure. set up and they wrote them. And then we went, then when we go to Monica, we're going to open them up. I love it. It, it, it almost breeds innovation when you can put yourself in such creative, inspirational spaces. And, you know, as, as entrepreneurs or business owners, leaders of industry, it, it really takes a plan, you know, to step outside of yourself, you know, and, and integrate all those amazing, impactful events with people that get it you know that's uh, to me that's what masterminding the value of masterminding is all about it's it's the the almost the qualification process of knowing that who's in the room with you is a match for the effort that you've put into life already right the, the effort that you've put into your business already but now it's like not feeling so alone in it and actually creating these experiences together to take you to that next level uh, so it's beautiful, and I love that your your mastermind is focused on experience, creativity, innovation, connection, you know, joy, fulfillment, you know, just experience that people will talk about for the rest of their lives, really. Because everything you just what you just shared in like a short weekend, holy crap, most people don't even experience in their whole life. And well, I think it's I think it's permission so to cool. be able to do it too. A lot yeah. of a lot of people don't. Either they don't think they deserve it, or they think they need more money to to be able to do it, or they think that this is something that they should do when they retire. And I, I got to tell you, you know, tomorrow's not promised. No, not you know? in this day and age. I mean, no. it, it is crazy times, and it's something that for me in my practice, I've been um, and all that I'm I'm putting out there too. I'm starting to talk about. And we'll get into your coaching practice as well. But one of the things you might want to tag into. 
your coaching practice, because I'm finding a lot of value as I'm working with my clients, is map out the exit strategy now. So we've been through all these years of like plan for retirement, right? Like it, it was like drilled into us, and that was drilled into us for financial actions. That was a marketing ploy for financial institutions to get your money to plan for the future. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, right? But that is maybe a almost now a 25-year-old mantra, planning for retirement, right? We've evolved over the 25 years with technology to be able to create immense wealth in many different modalities that give us freedom. Because if you think about the last 10 years, the mantra has been, how do you get to that freedom, right? Like that work life integration, art of fulfillment stance. Well, we need to also then catch up our mindset on how we plan against what our visions is or what our goals are and what true integration looks like. So imagine like if you're launching that business, what if you had that exit strategy known ahead of time? What if you took the time to figure out like, this is why I'm going after it. This is why I want to accomplish it. Because most of the time we kick something off to accomplish something, right? I'm going to hit that seven figure goal or I'm going to go impact, you know, this group of people. This is my avatar, right? We could get very, very um, segmented in how we approach it. But then if you actually think of a holistic picture of what does exit look like, it's, it, it changes then why you're actually starting it. And it also gives you the know-how to figure out what you need to put in place to exit with grace. You know what? You're making me think of something. I, I listened to a guy, uh, your listeners will love this. Um, his name is Chip Connolly. Does that name sound familiar to you? Chip Connolly. He, um, he was, um, he's, he's, uh, he's in the C-suite at um, Airbnb now. And he, uh, he sort of like uh, created, he created the boutique hotel world uh, many years ago, sold, sold his boutique hotel business uh, to like Hilton or something for hundreds of millions. And uh, the Airbnb guys reached out to him because he's in the hospitality business because they wanted to be able to not just make it a uh, platform that you know people plug in and just get a room. They wanted to make it so that it was more a hospitality industry. And he was like, I'm too old to do this. And they're, you, you guys are 20. I'm, I'm almost 60 now. And they went, no. And what he learned in this process is that, you know, when you're curious, that age has very little to do with it. And he's incredibly curious. And it got him thinking about transitions in life. And he said, you know, when you're, you know, 16 years old, depending upon what faith you're in, you have your bar mitzvah, your bat mitzvah, bat mitzvah your quinceanera, your confirmation. There's like a transitional at 16, right? And then the next one is when you get married. There's like another marker when you get married. And then you have a baby and there's a baby shower. There's the next marker, right? And then, you know, long later, there's like, you know, retirements, you know, at 50 or 60, and then there's death. He said, but between like retirement and death, like let's say you retire at 60 years old and you're dead at, I don't know, 80 years old. There's no transition. And so we wind up with people that are, you know, post 60 years old, they get very depressed. Um, and many of them after they retire, they die. And he said, um, early on, it, it made me think of it when you talked about the, um, the financial industry, but early on, the average person in 1967, when they coined the phrase midlife crisis, it was the first time that people were living past like 50 years old, 60 years old, you know? And so now we have people that are living really, really far 
And so what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to, you know, do one career for 90 years? Like there's got to be different transitions, but we don't have anything to transition to. And, and I think a lot of your listeners who are 50 or 60 years old, who are listening now, if that, if that's your audience, you know, it's, they're probably not in their heads now. And they're like, I'm not dead, but I don't want to, like, I don't want to do the same thing I've done for the last 30 years. I want to do something different. Right. And I think we're meant to do multiple different things. Yeah. And I would say that generation, the struggle that they're feeling is that that's not the generation that came up with the, with the technology that we have now. That's so, right. So what's happening is like there's a research, like a, there needs to be a resurgence of curiosity on the how they actually put what they want out into the world and almost relearn what technology can create for them and the online businesses they can create, for example, or the communities they can be a part of. But there's a learning curve in order to plug in because they have the awesome skill set that you and I completely adore, which is like come over like sit around a dinner table, have a conversation, have an experience together, right? Like that part of um, community living is also have, has broken down with tech. So the younger generations do things in different ways that connect people than the, um, the older, like 50, 55 and older, let's just say. And I think that having the awareness to say, you know what, I do want something different. I want to go after it. There's got to be a way. How? And so I know I can find it, that curiosity and that willingness to go find it at any age, I think is critical. And then you master the skill set as you go. You know, like it, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. You know, you're right. You're right. And I was thinking about something. When I, when I was designing the mastermind, I wanted to design the mastermind in such a way that, peop, that the younger millennials, and I have a lot of 20-somethings in my masterminds, which is funny, hanging out with 20-year-olds, but they're always on their phone. They're mm-hmm. always, they're, oh, they're tied to technology. So I wanted to create something in such a way that gets them out of it. Like, for example, when they land in Monaco at, mm-hmm. in Nice, I'm going to have a helicopter that's waiting to helicopter them into Monaco because I want them in the moment and having these conversations like we used to have sitting around the dinner table. Ah, best moment. You know, it makes me think of, I had this thought the other day, you know, that saying like if a tree falls down in the forest that it really happened. It's now it's like if I don't post it on Instagram, did it happen? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I love that. There's like that integration. Like it's so crazy because it's like so a, good. it's an appendage now, these these devices. And I even have to, you know, so many people now are doing digital detoxes and all these things because we need to connect more. So yeah, when, when you talk about the helicopter ride, right? You, you know they're going to need to have their phones out to record it and share it because it happened, right? But then how do, you, how do you take the break in the moment? And like almost you have to guide people now and say, okay, snap your shots now, you know, put it and then shut it down so that we can connect and have this experience together. And then now let's share after the experience, what did you take away from it? So that there's actual value in that tree falling. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, a, it's an interesting time. Well, who knows? I mean, if that, we can't prove that tree fell if we don't see it on Instagram. So I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> so as we wrap things up, Rob, today, because I love our conversation so much and, and we can go on for hours and days, right? Like I, yep. I really so truly appreciate you and your time and sharing a piece of yourself with my listeners. What is it that you're about right now that you're focused on that you'd love people to know and, and how best to connect with you? 
Well, I mean, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I really want to be doing right now, which is helping people that are in two places in their life. Either number one, they're working their tail off and they're not taking the time to do interesting things, helping them to craft experiences that they don't even have to think about. All they have to do is just literally show up and I will take you on a ride of your life uh, three times a year. And that is consuming a lot of my days in, in planning that. So if anybody is interested in becoming a part of that, just go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com. And for people that you know are in a place right now where they're like, I'd love to be able to do that, but I am buried in this world of, like my example, chiropractic or whatever it is for you. And I just want to figure out a way that, you know, I can get out of it. So I could do something like a mastermind. I'm doing some coaching and just go to workhardplayhardcoaching.com. I love it. And as we close out today's show, I'd love to ask one final question is how do you define what a badass is? A badass is somebody who is willing to do what they want with who they want, when they want, as often as they want, unapologetically. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>